Welcome to the Mabea Property Podcast. Bringing you expert insights and personal stories from the ever-changing Costa del Sol real estate market. Remember, in the world of property, knowledge pays the best interest. And welcome back to our next episode. My name is Gretel. I'm your host. And together with me in the office, I wanted to say, but it's in the studio, is my co-host Camilla. How are you, Camilla? I'm very well. Thank you, Gretel. I had a busy week, actually. Um, really? I'm having a busy week. Yeah, I thought it slows down a little bit towards the end of the year, but it's actually quite busy. Did a few listings, took some pictures today of properties. So uh, it's a productive time. I'm... Profitable week? Yeah, I didn't complete. Well, I actually, no, last completion was last week. Uh, funny enough, with uh, one of our guests before with Maria. Um, no, this week is fully based and focusing on listings. And how do you think the market is right now? Because I just returned from, uh, from my home country and the market is very still. Obviously, I understand that even in Europe, you have this micro climate, you know, not all the... Uh, countries are the same. In Estonia specifically, the prices have increased like incredible rates since, uh, you know, if you look at in Europe, I think it's the highest uh, um, percentage that the prices oh, of the property have increased also and in the rental. So obviously I felt that, you know, when it hasn't that it's dropping so much, but the definitely the market has come to a halt and obviously the demand dictates the, the price, you know. I feel it's kind of letting out the air that was put into that, you know, it was a little bit too much. Um, how's the things over here in Marbella from your perspective? Yeah, I don't think the market is holding back or it comes to to a stop. I think, I mean, well, we, we are at the end of the year, so in general, it's mm -hmm. quite a time. But we have beautiful weather here compared to the rest of Europe, as you can yeah. say from your experience being in Estonia. And I yeah. think that um, still attracts a lot of people to buy property here. Yeah. Um, I think the prices have gone up a lot within the last two years. Mm -hmm. And I think now we get into a more stable market. Yeah. But let's see, and I'm uh, quite um, yeah interested in having a chat to a very special guest to me uh, today, which is Dominic Packwood from Available Now, who has been in this business for many years. And today we like to talk a little bit about the ups and downs of the market in the past, let's say, 15 to 20 years and see if we can learn something for the future and how the market might uh, develop in the future. Hello, Dominic. How are you today? Hi, Camilla. I'm good, thank you. Well, I have to say it's quite special for you to have you as a guest. And um, that was my personal wish when we started uh, talking about the podcast in the beginning. I said, I have one wish and I want to have Dominic Pegwood on the show. Why? Because we have quite a long journey. You know, I think we met about 16 years ago when uh, I called you for a property you had for rent, which I then actually rented. And this is how our business journey started, because apparently we ended up working together. And I now call you my mentor. And I learned so much from you. And I still think back to that time and what I've learned now. Um, and yeah, big thank you uh, for all that knowledge you, you brought me. No, thank you for your help in the past, <laughs> Camilla. I mean, it was, a, it, was always, it was always a pleasure working with you. Um, yeah, I remember when you first you, you rented a property office. And um, you um, you were doing the removal game at the time. Yeah, true. Um, Just met my husband and, also. Um, yeah. But you were, because it was obvious that you were hungry. You were you, you're always going to do well. Yeah, because and you I asked me. I am very proud of, of what you've of the way you've turned out because you've, you've you. now been you're a very successful agent on the coast. Um, and everyone likes you, and everyone knows you. And, um, Not yeah, sure about um, that. Everyone likes me, but if everyone knows me, that's already <laughs> that's <laughs> half the win already, right? Exactly. 
So, uh, no, Dominic, tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, how long have you been living in Marbella? And tell us a little bit about your journey. When did you start your career in real estate? Well, we came here 22 years ago. Um, I was, when I came here, um, I knew nothing about real estate. Um, I had a office cleaning office cleaning business back in the UK. I remember, um, yeah, you did yeah, that here all too, around, no? It was, it was all around London. Um, we had we had over 300 part-time cleaners emptying bins and polishing desks every day, and it was like, it was a very good business. It was a very successful business, but it was hard work. Um, and when I came here, um, we we only came here because we'd bought a holiday home here. Which year was that? Mm, 22 years ago. So, so millennium more or less, 2000, yeah. 2001. Um, and uh, we bought a holiday home here. Um, we bought it off plan. Um, we kept coming over here to see how many more bricks that they put in, the, put, put in and how it was getting on. And then one day my wife said, um, I've heard the international schools here are very good. Let's go and have a look. Proper sucker punch. I, I couldn't see it coming, but we went, had a look, and the school was fantastic. And then the process started about, what about if we came and moved here? Be good for the kids and, and everything else. So eventually, two, three years later, we were here. Um, and I was, I had, a, I had somebody running the business back in the UK. I was doing the admin from here. Um, I was, I went back in time for, like 20 years and I was cleaning carpets and polishing marble floors. I um, remember that. Yeah. yeah. And um, I was earning three or 500 quid a, a day or whatever, you know, um, a week. Um, plus the business, plus the um, income I had from the business back in the UK. And then one day I bumped into an agent um, on the Golden Mile. Um, I was just walking the dog and um, bumped into him, his little girl, fell in love with my dog. We ended up having a cup of coffee and he said to me, um, we need floors polishing in our office. Can you come and give me a quote? I came and came along, gave him a quote. We um, we started um, looking after the um, polishing his floors and looking after the office for him. And then he said, "I'd like to." A couple of months later, he said, "I'd like to uh, start a rental side to the business." Um, and we'd, I'd like you to. I'd like you to do it for me. I'd like you to work with us. And I said, "No, I don't want to be an estate agent. It's not for me." Anyway, he took me into it. He said, we'll give you a desk. We'll pay for all the advertising. We'll, we'll you know, set you up and we'll just split it 50-50. Anything you do, we'll split, split it 50-50. And I went, okay, go on. I'll give it three or four months. Well, I actually made some good money. And I stayed doing it. And then... Yeah, because in the beginning you were you were focusing mainly on rentals, correct? Well, yeah, that's what I'm coming to. Because what happened was we would... We would Running the rental side for this for this company, I'll tell you the name. Of it. The company was called Marbella Now. Mm -hmm. The rental side of the business was we set up as available now, which is what what yeah. we are now. Yeah. Um, then the recession hit, and. Yeah, that's that, that that's an interesting that you say that because that's why we want to dig deeper into like that time when the recession hit and and how the market developed. So uh, yeah, that's uh, interesting because I remember you were only doing rentals at that time. Well, that's right. And the um, I mean, what happened was the uh, the sales went dead. Um, the what year? What the, year are we talking? Sorry, two thousand. 2007, 2008. Yeah. So until then, you were basically in the rental business. You were not selling properties yet, right? I've never sold a property in my life. Okay. Okay. Um, the, um, 
the company went the company went bust or they, they mm. just disappeared during the recession like lots and lots yeah. of agents they just did a moonlight and they, and they went and I had this rental business and I just picked it up and ran with it mm-hmm. um, and the first property we sold was the office on the Golden Mile mm. to one of the par- for one of the partners um, of the original business um, and then it progressed to property management, which progressed to sales, but that came later because we were now running a bit, had a rental business during a recession where no people people had property that they'd bought that they couldn't sell. Mm-hmm. People had property that they'd bought they were going to flip and they couldn't sell. We had locals that couldn't have, couldn't afford to buy. Interest rates were through the roof. Rentals were flying. Remember what was the interest rate back then? Out of curiosity, because yeah, right yeah. now with the to compare Euribor, with today. where are we? Around, uh, I just heard that somebody got what three point six a fixed interest which rate is good. offer, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, which it's is great. Three, three and a half, four percent. We were up to five and a half, six percent at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the it was hard for a lot of people. Pe- people's mortgages doubled. Yeah. yeah, you know, and it was just. It's the way it was. What was the climate in general, like, you know, working in that business? What was the the mood? Because I always feel also that uh, in Spain, it didn't blow over fast enough. Because in other countries, I felt that they recovered a lot faster. But in Spain, I felt it took a lot longer and it lingered around. It... I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I disagree. I think that it was it we, we recovered fairly quickly in business wise. Mm-hmm. I think the banks were the biggest problem um, in Spain. The banks were overextended. They were concentrated mostly on the property market. Um, they were lending money hand over fist. I don't think the banks have learned since then. But they did um, make a change. If they hadn't been bailed out, then. A lot of people would have lost a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, and they, but you know, they were, they were bad. That didn't help. But business-wise, I think it recovered relatively quickly. Because talking about the banks, and that's going to be an interesting question once we have a you know a, a bank representative one day in the in the episode. I remember that there, um, because of what happened back in the last crisis and the way that banks treated uh, people that have taken mortgages out. Um, they came up with this clausulo suelo that was in the in the contracts, basically yeah. that they had this small fine print in the mortgage contracts, which, you know, gave them, I don't know, what kind of uh, rights and, you know, it kind of put a lot of people's uh, life up uh, upside down. And like you said, that they were bailed out by the by the government, I think, in the end. So. They, were, they were bailed out. And when I say the banks haven't learned, they're still selling, you know, they're giving mortgages, but they're giving mortgages and saying... You can have it at this rate or you can have it at this extortionate rate. But if you have it at this rate, then you've got to buy this insurance. You've got to buy that insurance and, and everything else. Yeah. The the banks in the UK, for instance, have been fined and have been paying people back for the last 10 years um, for their mistakes. Yeah, it's going to happen here eventually. Yeah. I, can't see, I can't see why they haven't learned here from what's happened elsewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the um, the the, ba- the banks were the wor- were were the worst of it during the recession. I felt they were the, they were they were the worst calls. The other one was new promotions. There was a lot of new property, new builds that the prices were just going through the roof. Mm-hmm. Um, and at, we had it recently where we had a, a promoter phone us up and say we're offering ten percent commission. Mm-hmm. The last time I heard that 
was back on the last recession. Mm-hmm. So what are they worried about? And that's that's a, that's a concern. Do you do you do you, do you think that's a no? Sign? I don't. I don't think we're heading back to a recession no, at no. the moment. But that's just a personal yeah. personal opinion. Um, I haven't got a crystal ball. I've got no idea where we're going to be in the next one or two years. But I thought it was going to be sl- a slowdown this year because of the start because yeah. of interest rates, and it didn't slow down. We all thought we were screwed when COVID happened. It didn't happen. Mm-hmm. Um, Vice versa, actually. I mean, that mm-hmm. was a twisted turn, wasn't it? Well, it was. It was like a it was like a bottleneck after mm-hmm. you know when, when everything opened up. Um, we'd never had it better. Yeah. Um, and then we've had, we've had three good years year on year. Um, very strong years. Very okay, strong yeah. years. Um, lot, most agents will tell you it's been their best years ever. Yeah. Um, will it continue? It might slow down a little bit, but I don't think we're in the same position as what we were in yeah, 2008 for one minute. But tell me, you you briefly mentioned, um, because you've been on the coast for so long and you've also seen, you know, the, the market on the different highs and lows. Makes me sound old. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, not that. Um, what was the real estate market uh, before the the last big crash? Were there any signs that indicated this turn down? Like you mentioned just now that, you know, promoters calling you up and offering uh, 10% uh, commission for the... That was sector. recently, but yeah, yeah I mean... But the, in general, I'm talking now the, about this before the 2007-8 I didn't see it coming, mm. but I wasn't really in the in the in, in, yeah. in I wasn't really in the business properly mm-hmm. at that time. Um, so no, I, di- I didn't particularly see it coming. Looking back in hindsight, the reason it went—I mean, prices were just going astronomically mm-hmm. through the roof. Well, I I think we in some developments we still have not hit the same prices than we had in two thousand and seven. No, yeah, there absolutely. are some communities in Elviria, um, uh, for example, Santa Maria Village and Green Hills. They were sold in two thousand between two thousand seven and two thousand nine for crazy prices, and we have not l- reached. I've that seen level. that because actually the community that you mentioned is the bank repossession property that I bought in two thousand sixteen, and then in the Nota Simple, yeah. I saw the price that the previous paid. owner had paid in two thousand six. Yeah, I no? was like, ouch. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Exactly. You, why they've kept the property, you don't know, because mostly there was an awful lot of people just handing keys back, yeah. you know, yeah. um, and just handing keys back to the bank and saying. But it was a very, I find it a very different situation than we are in now because clients ask me like, oh, do you think we face another crisis? But the problem we had back then is that the bank financed 100%, even 120% of the properties. It was very easy for everyone to get a mortgage and that created the problem, I think. And now, in my experience, I don't know about you, but I, I maybe do 10% of the of the sales we do is with a mortgage. So we are in a very different position um, of the market. Well, that's, you know, one of the things that we I, I was nervous about at the beginning of the year, this year, when interest rates started to go up, um, let's face it, they yeah. sort of doubled in a year almost, tripled in some cases. The We thought there was going to be a slowdown, but there's been a slowdown on properties under 300,000. Mm-hmm. Spanish first-time buyers or... People that live here, not just Spanish, but people that live here, first-time buyers, um, uh, you know, properties under 300,000 where people are low on the property ladder and they need to get a mortgage. Yes, it's affected that market, but most people that buy here, as you say, probably 90% of your sales are cash buyers from Northern Europe that interest rates aren't going to affect them because they've already earned their money or saved their money. They're a bit older, you know, so it it hasn't been an issue. Because I think that also adds to stability of the Mabeya market, because I think that's one of the topics we uh, discussed in one of the first episodes. And what makes it, um, from in my eyes, what it, uh, makes it more attractive is that 
you don't have just one buyer. You have, you said, Northern European, but you also have a lot of buyers from outside Europe. You have Americans that have increased tremendously. You have Canadians, you have your Kuwaitis, you have your Arabs, you have, you know, all kinds of different uh, countries and backgrounds. And also you have people that, uh, because there is so many foreign buyers, a lot of buyers that are buying without the mortgage over here. So they're not put under the pressure uh, when the interest rates, for example, increase. But even that... Um, for example, over here, uh, the properties that I own and the mortgages that I have taken on to, to finance these properties, um, that was before COVID times, all the offers that were given to me were always fixed rate. And they were very low fixed rate. Mm -hmm. I mean, when I tell people what I'm paying now, and I can say because, you know, my uh, one of my first mortgages over here was 1.9% fixed interest rate. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not affected by the, by the Euribor as well, you know. Yeah. So um, what other... Um, actions you think contributed to the to the market in the in the recent years that it's been so successful and it's breathing again into the recovery so Listen, i think i think it's always it's always going to be a popular destination whether or not we're talking northern europeans or outside europe it's the california of europe it's the you know it's the best part of europe um since covid people have realized that they you know they can work from anywhere in the world they can work remotely um people are always going to want to buy here whether it be a holiday home or relocate people will always want to be here um, and sure. it's always going to it's it's you spoke about a microclimate earlier on it, it that's what it is here you know financially um, you could have a recession in in Spain it will people will always want to buy here and people did even during the yeah. last recession it just slowed down a bit yeah, that's true. But the last recession, or especially the time 2008, 2009, I remember it being dramatic. I mean, it was hard. I it mean, it was so you, hard. But it was so actually a good time to start the business and learn because, like, now, uh, or the last two years, it was easier to sell property than it was 10 years ago. We needed to, it was a lot more effort we had to put in to, to close a sale than, than it is now. Or that's what. Uh, the destination sells itself, you know, because I exactly, think that yeah. uh, they have done also a wonderful uh, job promoting the, the destination, uh, except the minus the crime. <laughs> if we can yeah. somehow fix that, please. <laughs> I, again, people ask me about the crime here. You know, if you're not involved in drugs, you, you're not going to get you're not going to come across it too much. And I mean, if you are, it's maybe a paradise. You know? Yeah, but, but most 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 crime here is opportunist crime. It's, you know, where people are. On holiday, leave their brains at home. They go and sit by the pool, and they leave the laptop on the on the coffee table, and the patio doors open. They come back, and it's gone, and they wonder why. Yeah. They wouldn't do that, yeah. back, you know, back home. It's I've been here twenty two years. I've experienced very, very little crime. Um, we had a break in once in a in a um, in a rented property um, that we were renting before we bought. Um, that in twenty two years, it's the only thing that I've come that, that that's ever happened to us. I think it's. Compared to other countries, I think crime's low here. I think it's the fact that when something happens, when your property gets robbed and so forth, is is the fact that there is no real outcome because there's just so little police and so many people that influx here during the summer that the ratio to the amount of people living here versus the amount of police available is just ridiculous. So it's like when somebody breaks into your house, you can forget about, you know, yeah, make I sure have you have a good insurance exactly. and you deal with the exactly. insurance and that's it. I advise everyone to have a good insurance. That's important. But uh, something completely random came into my mind and this was not on the prepared question list, but because when you told me that, you know, you started off as... Um, 
as not a, a listing agent or selling property, but you were handling uh, with rentals, I assume that you're still very knowledgeable about it. And is it still part of your business today? We do very little rentals now. Okay, Mainly most of sales. Why? It's not something we don't want. There's no business I don't want. If people, if we sell a property and people ask us to manage their property, we'll manage it. If people ask us to then rent their property, we'll rent it. We don't say no to anything because once you stop dealing with a client, you lose all the recommendations that they're going to give you to other people. So, you know, and we've got, we're still selling lots of properties that we used to rent for people. So it's, I try to say no to, not to say no to anything, but... Sales have been so good, especially the last four or five years. Yeah. Rentals are a lot more, a lot harder work. Um, they're less profit. They're they're just hard work. Um, so it's just something we haven't actively pursued. It's not something we don't want to do. We just haven't pursued it. The reason why I'm asking that because I actually have a property that's been on the market but hasn't, uh, you know, for one reason or for another sold and um, I'm not ready to renovate it completely yet and uh, it's the first time when I'm actually considering because it's a little bit of an older property, it's not a new and modern property, uh, putting it for a long term uh, rent right now. Mm, instead of putting it on a short term and then having to deal with things when stuff breaks and so forth. And it's the first time when I list it uh, an ad for a long-term uh, rent and I'm absolutely blown away by the amount of and, and I tell you I put the price that you would feel embarrassed to ask because that's one thing I learned in the business you have to put the price that you feel embarrassed or otherwise you're asking yeah. too little and there is so many people trying to to uh, rent the property what tips do you have for me for the long-term rental that I should watch out for oh, would you because actually... I also feel I'm so suspicious about all the candidates I have people offering me one year's money advance I'm like why 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 would you do that you know yeah, it's they like... can't get a rental unless they do that yeah um, we We've we've done a couple of rentals recently. Um, we've got we did one rental in Capabino. It was a two bedroom apartment in Capabino, in Mimosas to Capabino. Mm -hmm. We sold the property to an Italian client four years ago. Mm -hmm. She then rented it through another agent. Um, had a nightmare. Um, had a terrible had a terrible experience. Came back and said, asked me, would I rent it for her? Um, of course, I said I would. We, it was a two bedroom apartment. Um, we asked 1500 euros a month. Mm -hmm. We got 1400 euros a month and a year in advance. Any rentals I do now for anybody, it's got to be six months or one year in advance. But why would you put yourself in? Because for me, what I'm thinking, it's not about the fact that they have the money, but to me, it makes me suspicious about them wanting to secure the property for so long. Like, is yeah, there no other have, way that you can me, do back on it? For me as an agent, if we're managing it, it makes my life a lot easier. We're not collecting the rent every month. We're collecting every six but months But how do you background check the, the person? Is there anything else that you can do? Because Absolutely. obviously being you've in Spain. To, you've, got, you've got to have the reference. Because they're foreigners, so how can you... you they, they're still working. They've still got an income. Mm. Same as when you do, when you sell somebody a property, you, you do know you can't. But the average Joe dividends. that works on the coast, they couldn't afford to put six months or one year rent uh, advance. It's usually the people that come here, maybe you know, as digital nomads and working from distance, or you know, um, 
I don't know what can be a really high income job because for me, I'm thinking 1,500, 12 months, it's 18,000. An average person, you know, they don't have 18,000 just lying around. That's why the the average person is struggling to find rentals. But I I agree. Or or still living with their parents. Yeah, I agree with Dominic. Of course, if you have a uh, a client and you have, you know, a potential tenant who offers you six months or one year up front, hey, fantastic, because you know at least... You know, you will you will get the rent. And you still take the reference, still get references. Yeah, Just the true. fact that they're paying a year up front doesn't mean to say you don't want their references because they're going to be there for five years possibly. Which is another thing you need to be aware of when you do a long term rental, is that now when they sign the the old eleven month rental contracts are illegal. They, you can't it, sign eleven months. Can't sign eleven months contracts anymore. They they they're not worth the paper they've written on. It's a twelve month contract. And the tenant has got the right to renew for up to a maximum of five years for another four years with rent rent increases only in line with inflation, which uh, is which is tuppence. And on what reasons can the owner right. back out from uh, this contract? Is there a notice period? Is there no, okay, the only, obviously the, property for the sale? The only way the owner can get the property back if the tenant says, no, I want to stay for the next year and, and up to five years, the only way the owner can get the property back is if they say... They need it back for their own personal use. Now, it's not as a holiday home for their main domicile re- um, residence. That's the only way you can get it back. Yeah, and that's what so makes So if you do a long-term so rental, be you know you might get a tenant that says after two years you want to sell or you want or you want the property back, and they they they're fine with it. But you could get a tenant that goes, no, the law states I can stay for up to five years. I want to stay. So maybe consider the short-term rental option. <laughs> so you have focused uh, mainly on listings, right? I would say you're more a listing agent and you work a lot on recommendations. Yeah, Correct? I would say that, I would say that 25% of our business is selling property to clients that are getting on a plane and coming over. And and, and the, other, the other 75% is properties that we've listed that other agents help us sell to their clients. Correct. And you are always very good in finding the right price. Well, I mean, finding the right price of marketing the property, yeah? Whether it is you do that together with the vendor or you lead them towards the price they should market the property for. What's your secret? How do you manage to be able to sell property fast at a very, very good price? No, there's no secret. It's a case of just listing listing it at the right price. The... There's plenty of properties I go in to list. I've got no idea what what, what I think what they should be what they what they should they should sell for. But with this MLS MLS system that we've got here, let's explain to the listeners what is an MLS system. Right. Well, we've got a, we've got something here called resales online. So, if I list a property for sale, I then put it on my website, put it on the portals, advertise it on on all the different portals. But we also put it on the MLS system resales online, um, which is invaluable with and that's only for agents right like own, a normal person if i'm listening from amsterdam or from tallinn and you know i want to buy a property i don't have access to this uh, mls system no, no no they i mean resellers have got have got a a, a, a a separate system for the public but the information that we have on it is just for agents so i i list a property i put it on on resellers online it's then every other agent on the coast knows about it it's good for the vendor because it means that they only need to list it with one property, with one agent that they feel they're comfortable with and that they can trust. Um, one set of keys, and but every other agent on the coast has has access to That's it. Another Camilla thing I... can phone me and go, "I've got a client. Yeah. I, I say I've listed a property in 
um, uh, Green Hills in Elveria. Camilla will phone me and go, I've got a client that's looking for something in, in Green Hills. We then go and show the property together. If we do a sale, we split the commission 50-50. Um, it's also good for buyers because Camilla's buyer um, only needs to deal with one agent mm -hmm. that they feel comfortable with and they've got access to all the all, everything on the coast as well. But you are still always very good in finding the right market price. Yeah. And you're not you're not what, But, that that type of agent who says, okay, as long as I have the listing, it doesn't matter what price. You really speak to the vendors, and that's what I learned from you. It's it, you do the deal with the listing. The reason I mentioned resales, though, Camilla, is because if I don't know what I think a property should sell for, even if I go in and speak to an owner and say, right, have you got any idea what you want? Have you got have you got an idea in your mind? If I I can then go away, I can look on resales and I can look at what's sold recently in that development, what hasn't sold, how long stuff's been on the market, when it when the stuff that's on there, how long it's been listed, and I can then decide that you know this is what the property should you know should be sold for. Yeah, and also for. you work. There's no point blowing you know blowing smoke up the arse and saying. We can get you 350,000, but it's only worth 250,000. Yeah. Because lots of agents will do that exactly. just to get the listing yeah. and then six months down the line tell them they've got to drop the price. So if a, if a vendor decides on a price you don't agree with because you find it too high, would you then not list it or how no. would you? No, what we would normally say is, I think it's too high. We can market it for anything you like, but I'm telling you now I think it's too high. But what we'll do, we'll list it at that price We'll give you feedback. We'll tell you exactly how many people are, come, are coming over the threshold. We'll give you an idea of, of you know, feedback from the clients. And then three or four months down the line, you can make a call whether or not you want to drop the price. Yeah. But if we're with plenty of feedback, then you've, you, you'll know where we are with it. So with that, we're going to take a short break and come back to you after the break. <laughs> Enjoying the podcast? Then join our growing community on Facebook and follow us on Instagram for the latest updates. More information in the show notes. So welcome back from the break. We are here in the studio with uh, Dominic Backwood from Available Now and just uh, talking about the different uh, stages of Mabea market and, uh, and uh, getting a general feel from uh, your experience. Um, Camilla, I'll let you take it from here. Well, we already had a first interesting part um, and we were talking a lot about the past years of the market and yeah. how do you see the future. And you also gave us some good advice on rentals, long term and short term. And um, yeah, we've been talking about listings and list the properties for the right price. So um, what important lessons were learned from the property crash that are still relevant to today's market? I think the, the most important lessons are lessons that buyers have had to learn. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's too good to be true, it is. You know, in the last property crash, buyers were told, buy three off plan, you can sell two, and you'll end up with one that's cost you next, next to nothing. Yeah. And it was greed that was, that was 
there was yeah, but thinking back, I think sometimes, my God, people were really stupid or not. Yeah, I mean, the prices um, went up so much and they they just they just bought for prices where... But they didn't think, buy because the banks were financing, yeah, so they didn't even feel it in the pocket, you know. Yeah, so but, like you said, it's the greed, isn't it, you know? Probably, yeah. It's the greed and being in a foreign market and probably not understanding exactly what you're getting in Poland as well, because there is the language barrier, you know. Yeah. But exactly. I think people are more aware now and, and more... Oh, 100%, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I think people are more careful, yeah, um, exactly. and you know, I, I don't think I don't think that that sort of thing's going to happen again. But yeah, I mean, it's a it's a favourite phrase of mine, and I've, I've said it to you before. If it's too good to be true, it normally it, is. It usually so is, yeah. you know, just be just be careful. And how do you think that um, buyers' demographics? Uh, property types have changed since the last crash? Was it that there was, I don't know, a three-bedroom or four-bedroom or large villas that were popular then and, you know, now the market's a bit different? Is it a lot more different nationalities now in the market? Or No, no, I don't think I don't think anything. I don't think much has changed at all. There's a few new nationalities that, are coming, that have come to, to the market over the recent years. I mean, this year and last year, um, there's an awful lot of Polish that are buying. Yeah, um, true, the, yeah. The reason sure. being is that the the economy's been fantastic in Poland. Um, the uh, the politics are not good. Um, there's an awful lot of Poles, you know, they're also close to the war zone, um, and there's an awful lot of Poles that just want to get out, get out of Dodge. Yeah. Um, you know, they've they've got a lot of they've got the cash rich. They want to get out of Dodge. Um, and again, I said it earlier on. There's no better place in Europe to live. I had a question because you worked also in different uh, areas of uh, Mabea and Costa del Sol. If today you had to pick one area and you could only stick to selling property in this one area, which area would be and why? La Zagaleta. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. No. The, um, okay, um, listeners maybe don't get it. What's unique about yeah. La Zagaleta? Let's yeah, answer. It's the most expensive explain. area on yeah. the coast. Um, no, the... Stick to what you know best. The area that I know best is Mijas Costa. Mm -hmm. um, just stick to what you know best. Um, yeah. That's what I learned from you too. Yeah. Just don't spread too wide. Um, just I mean, we sell, we area, sell, you know. and I know you do, Camilla, as well. We we, we sell from Estepona to Fengarola, but ninety percent of what we sell is from Riviera to. Marbella. Not even as far as Marbella. Yeah. Riviera to Elveria. Yeah. That's the majority of what, we, what we're selling at the, at the moment. Yeah. So based on your experience, what advice would you give to investors considering the Costa del Sol market in today's economic climate? What? Ask me that question again. He's going to put the glasses on now. So yeah. now it's getting really serious. <laughs> so... On your experience in the past, you know, you have clients who want to invest as a, as a property to rent or to, to resell. Um, what would you advise them? Like, you know, depending obviously on their budget, but let's say someone wants to buy a holiday home to rent. Um, what, what, yeah, what would you advise them where to buy? I mean, we've been talking about your your main area, so I guess Mijas Costa is an area you would advise to clients. What about new developments? Would you advise investors to buy new developments? What do you think about them? Okay, I'm going to be a bit controversial now. Mm -hmm. but That's what we like. Ian. <laughs> <laughs> With regard to invest, I get lots of people phone me up, um, clients that say to me, I, I want to come to Spain and I want to buy a property as an investment. 
And my honest answer to them is, don't. Don't buy? Don't buy. In general? In, don't buy to invest. Right. If you want, if you want somewhere to live... Why? Or you, well, I'll come to that. that. If you want somewhere to live or if you want somewhere as a holiday home, there is no better place to be. Yeah. If you want to buy to invest, go and buy... Well, if you're British, go and buy in the UK. Mm-hmm. You'll get a much better return on your... You know, um, over 10 years, you'll get a 30 40% return. Oh, but do you mean like if you rent the property or in terms of the increase? Dollars invested, basically, return on investment, dollars return, invested, return, I assume, yeah, no? exactly. So you put on the, 100K in 10 years, you know, you can be sure the 30 40% return on the British market. It's going to be 140, oh, 150. Because in Germany, I would never well, say that for the German market. Yeah, but uh, we've had this discussion, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, my first, my first property I ever bought, um, I was 21. And I paid £32,000 for it. And I sold it two and a half years later for £65,000. Not bad. That's, I've never seen that happen in Spain. Never seen it. I've seen, it, I've seen properties half in value. I haven't seen them double in value. If you're going to buy a property to rent, uh, short term, the taxes are high. Um, you've got a lot of outgo. If you're, if you're non-European, you've got, you can't claim any expenses. Um, so you're, you know, you're paying tax on the on on the gross gross figure. That's for the British. Uh, That's for the British. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, non-EU. Um, if you do a long-term rental, as I discussed earlier yeah, on, then we have you risk, don't yeah. know who you're going to get. Um, despite references, you can have problems, and you can you might you can be tied in for five years. Now, I'm not saying no one should buy as an investment or, or buy property as an investment. What I say to my clients is you've got to be really careful. If you're buying as an investment and you're British, buy in the UK, buy in an area, buy in a country that you know and that's going to have a much better return and you can keep on top of things a lot easier. It's, it's expensive to buy here. It's expensive to sell. So you might be 10, 15% down before you even start. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't the same in other countries. Well, that's a lot of what a lot of people don't think about the purchase costs and the selling costs, and you know that still needs to make up, and you still need to have uh, a profit. But what do you think about new developments in general? Uh, before we move on to oh, the new sorry. developments, I would like to oppose <laughs> to that um, okay. opinion. Um, I hear what you're saying. I'm not saying it's wrong to do it. No, I'm just no. saying that's my opinion, and maybe I've been spoiled in the past with what I've bought and sold. The, the, the returns are too low here. I think there is two things to consider. There is a person that, let's say, maybe they are investing, but now they want to expand. So they are dreaming of having a second home, but also making some money on there. Yeah. So would a property in Spain increase um, in value in time? Would it make a great rental if in one moment you don't want to use it anymore and you want to rent it out, that it would cover its cost? 100%, no question about it. Like I said, the destination will always be popular because yeah. of the climate, because of the geographical location, because of all the target demographics that are interested in that area. Um, regarding the return on the investment, I think it depends. I think in each climate you have uh, good money to be made. While you were talking, I did a quick calculation Uh, a two-bedroom property on the beach with the price that I bought and with the rental revenue that I clear 
after the tax, after the cleaning, after all the expenses, and even after paying the mortgage that I have on the property for 70%, I still make nearly a 10% return on the investment and the money that I put in. 10% is not bad at all. So it's not bad at all. And I've also done flips of the property over here, but I'll tell you that it's true. The, because you pay here the tax when you buy the property and you also pay the capital gains tax when you sell the property, right? So the scissors need to be really, really mm-hmm. big when you when you do the flipping of the property. My most profitable flip has been when I cleared, and that was before the tax, was uh, 28% of the amount of money that yeah. I spent versus what I sold and the, the what, what was in between uh, two years ago. Okay. Let's say but two like years ago. from uh, buying to selling? Buying to selling, exactly. 28% and then you had to pay the tax, obviously, on it. And the tax, because that was done as a private person, not as a company, so the tax rate depends on your total income of the year, let's say, you know. But that said, all of the properties I make money buying, which means the properties that I have done the flips with, I'll find the buyer who is distressed for some reason, who, yeah. and let's be honest, most of the time, it's because they have either tried to sell direct, they don't want to pay the agent a commission, and they get desperate, or they choose a random agent that actually is not really a professional agent that doesn't use the resale system. You know, there is so many different reasons. And then suddenly they think, okay, they have time to sell. And then suddenly they get desperate because they must sell. Oh, yeah, so I've been lucky yeah. to find, you know, a few of these properties. So I, it's true that I feel I make the money when buying the, the property. Yeah. Also, the market has been incredibly uh, good, like you said, in the last three years because the, the it's been going up. And the second thing that is very important is to add value to the property. Yeah. So obviously, the property has been poorly presented. It's in a poor condition. You renovate and so forth. But it's very tricky. Every flip that I have done, every property that I purchased with the idea of selling, I always make sure that if this property doesn't sell, like we bought, you, the, you know, talked it. about, I can rent it. Mm-hmm. I'm willing to live with that property and keep that property on yeah. my portfolio. And, you know, I don't destroy all the money that I made, you know, in, in uh, one go. But now you know the market very well. You live here. And, yes, and but that even makes then, a difference of someone, of course. Exactly. Who, someone that's just, um, I've got a retirement fund and I want to invest some money yeah. in property. Uh, I want to do it in Spain. Why? You live in the UK. Go, yeah. Or you live, you know, you're very, very good at what you do. Because you've done it and you've got experience and and and, and you're you're a professional investor, yeah. whereas other people, you know. But what I advocate here for is that if you have few properties and you've been thinking of buying here, you know, the aim is to give all the people the knowledge of exactly. how they could make money with their property. You know, probably like you said, they wouldn't be making uh, as good as a return on investments when they would buy the property in their home country, whether it's renting short term or long term, wherever that might be. They might, but they might not. But at the same time, they could still make make sure that the property covers its cost, for example, you know. Yeah, exactly. And this is actually what we want to do with this podcast to people who are interested in investing a, into a property and want to make a living out of that or want to make a profit with that um, to give them advice. Because I think also the clientele has changed a little bit and we have a lot of younger uh, buyers and investors. Um, and this is so I think you can you can still make good investments here. Um But it's not easy for sure. It's not easy and you have to be knowledgeable. You have to do your homework. You have to have the right people around you. You have to have the right advisors, the right lawyers. Like this is one of the things that I always advocate for is people ask me, it's like, oh, should I really use a lawyer? I mean, I lived here for 15 plus year and when I buy the property, I always use a lawyer. You know, why would you not? Why would you not use a lawyer? 
You know? People asked, is that not the agent who's stealing because with all that stuff? Because it's 1% of the property cost. Yeah, exactly. It's going to cost me so much. <laughs> you it's know, cheaper, the long it's, the cheapest, it's the cheapest 1% they're exactly. ever going to yeah, spend. Yeah, very true. Because there's so many um, complications. And there's so many. Th- there's another thing is, you know, when people are buying houses, when people are buying villas, um, you know, I say to them, You're gonna get a, do you want to get a survey done? Well, no, we don't need to, do we? If you were buying in the UK or you were buying in Germany or you're buying in France, would you get a survey done? Yeah. yeah. Well, why won't you get one done here? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, how much is it going to cost? Doesn't matter. Yeah. It gives you peace of mind. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any companies you can recommend for the any? property survey? Because I never heard of a company over here. I think I've come across one. Architects do that. Architects, just to know. We've got two or three, two or three architects that we yeah. work with all the time. So you can just go to any architect bureau and ask them to do a snagging service for this business. Yes, it's basic. Yeah, snagging, I mean, but on an existing property to check on the basic things. Exactly, so. it's the basic things. It's not it's, for apartments. Know. It's probably not really necessary, but for a villa, um, I would always recommend that also to my client. You know, they always find something, you know, mm-hmm. so after that you need to do your work and you explain, okay, uh, yes, the house needs paint. Yeah. So obviously <laughs> it, it, it can never be 100% perfect, but I always advise we've just, to do we, that. We've recently sold a property um, a couple months ago in Volticardo, um, a villa. It had a horrendous crack down one of the retaining walls. It looked terrible. They got a survey done. It was just superficial, but it yeah. gave them peace of mind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they wouldn't known otherwise. And maybe put off other buyers so they got a good price for that. Well, maybe. Maybe. So, Dominic, what do you think about new developments? I still oh, have yeah, yeah. this question. <laughs> You're fishing answer. this one, aren't yes, you? Yes, I really want to know your opinion on that. Um, again, I'm not going to say don't buy new developments to my clients. Um, we all love selling new developments because the commissions are high and we're not splitting the commission with another agent. Um, That's actually a which, very important which point, is, I think, also. Why? Yeah, I mean, the, listen, you know, the commissions are, the commissions on new developments are normally 70%. We get paid on the, when, when the client pays How the much? 30%. No. Sorry, 7%. I was just 70. <laughs> I was well, like, Jesus, between, what's Between left? 5 and 7%, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. a lot. Yeah, most, most of them are paying 7%, I think, you yeah. find now, aren't they? The, um, but... <laughs> It's the trouble with new developments is that clients are they're locked in very early before the property's been completed, um, and they never get what they're what they're asked for. Things always change, um, and the, the the new developments that we have sold, I've had clients end up being very, very unhappy. I remember you had a client, yeah. They bought something in Cabo Pino and then they had, it was completed and it was not what they were, or the, the qualities were just... But how come? Because quality, in quality. today's uh, market, they should be, or in today's climate, I mean, they should be able to show real good renderings, real good floor plans, uh, views. We heard how somebody's selling the new development properties and going with a drone up to 10 meters mm-hmm. to show what view you even have, yeah. you know? I mean, there was, there was one... Re- one um, a couple of years ago, they had the patio windows actually went into the wall and were hidden. That was on the plans. When the property was completed, they weren't like that at all. They were almost like concertina windows. But do they then have and some the, the, sort the, of they, responsibility well, to them? Yeah. We, we feel as though we have, but it's not our responsibility because we're just, you know, we're the agent and we were told that's what was going to be. And they've then they've now got a battle with, well, their lawyer has got a battle with the promoter. Well, that's they're the not going to get They're you know, not going to get very far. 
Do you want to take the risk to end up in court if there is uh, a problem? But, but I think it comes down be... to developer as well, because I guess there is developers and then there is developers. Yeah, correct. Absolutely. But the client doesn't know that beforehand. That's yeah. the thing. So obviously that's what we've been talking to our other guests. Then it really my, depends my, on the my biggest, agent. My biggest thing with clients is I want them to be happy and I want them to recommend me, recommend me to other people. If you've got an unhappy client, you're not going to get any recommendations from them. Um, there's, I'd rather sell them a nice resale property that they know what they're getting, they, they know exactly what they're getting the minute they, they walk through the door, than something that's going to complete in two or three years' time. They're going to be locked in within the next six months, and then in two or three years' time, I've got an, you know there's an unhappy client. Yeah. The thing is, clients are, they're either... It's their dream. They've, they've, they've been saving for years. It's either their pension fund or they've, they, it's something they've dreamed about for years. They've, to, to relocate to Spain or to have a holiday home, they don't want to, you don't, you want to give them a good service. You want them, you want them to be happy. Of course. But new developments are great. There's a lot of yeah. really good ones. Yeah. Um, exactly. You know, and Kim was on earlier and he was, he was, he was, he was talking about new developments and they're great. And I love selling them. But I'm just, I, I do, I, I just like to say to clients, beware. Mm -hmm. There is no guarantee that you're going to get what they're saying you're going to get. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, why I left this podcast because everyone has a different opinion and different uh, point of view. Yeah, exactly. and, it, and it's and so you, interesting. We can, only, we can only speak from our own experience. Yeah, hundred percent. If I hadn't had an unhappy, a couple of unhappy clients that have bought new developments then I probably wouldn't be talking the way I am there. Yeah. You know? But listeners, uh, we would like to remind you that uh, your opinion is very important to you, uh, to us, sorry. To you. <laughs> very important <laughs> and, to me. And please uh, uh, text us, email us, send us a message on social media with your experience. And uh, yeah, even if you want to be on the show and you have a very interesting story to tell us, whether you maybe bought a resale property or a new development and you were lucky or unlucky with your investments, contact us because we would like to hear your story. Absolutely. But kind of coming to the end of uh, the conversation shortly, um, what predictions uh, do you think, uh, you said you don't have a crystal ball, but what do you foresee happening in the Mabea market? Because the last three years have been so uh, great, but also each so different. Each year has been affected by a different uh, external factor or political factor and so forth. What do you think next year, 2024, will bring to Mabea? I know you said it just now, but first of all, I've got no idea. Um, I've really, I've, I've, I've given up trying to make a call on it. Mm. You know, as I said, we all thought we were dead in the water when COVID happened. We all thought it was going to be a slowdown at the beginning of this year. Um, I'm, I've given up trying to predict it. I'm just going with the flow. Um, I see no slowdown at the moment for next year. Um, the end of this year has been as good as the last two and a half years. It's got no indication that it's slowing down, but it will happen. There will be a slowdown. Yeah, it's normal. That um, yeah. And, it's, and, and it's good Natural. because it rebalances everything. It needs to happen every now and again. Yeah. Um, but at the moment, you know, I'm just giving up trying to predict. I'm just trying to make hay while the sun shines and save for a rainy day. And that's yeah. all we can do. Yeah. And taking, uh, looking back at the last uh, 25 years, what has been the most rewarding aspect of working in the, in the real estate? I touched on it earlier on, and without sounding cheesy, it's making people's dreams come true. It's been, it's out of all the professions I've had, um, it's the most rewarding so far. It, I enjoy doing what I'm doing. 99% of people that you meet, clients that you meet, are nice people. Most of them end up becoming good friends. 
Um, the if I you know I say to clients if you if you buy property off me you you're stuck with me for life because if the, I don't mind if once they bought the property if they need a plumber if they need a painter and decorator if they need some furnishing if they need someone to manage the property um, if they need um, an alarm company to be recommended you know I'm there for them after that so it's it's just as I said people have been saving all their lives to have a holiday home or to relocate to Spain um, or they've got you know they've, they've retired um, and it's it's just make it's giving them the right the right thing and making them happy and it's nice to be part of their journey also no? exactly and yeah. you know as I say it sounds really cheesy but just making their dreams become a reality yeah. you know but what about uh, any personal stories or stories that you know our listeners could learn from any particular case that comes to your mind uh, when clients have purchased something you know whether it's a, a teaching moment whether it's a fun story whether it's a really sad and the bad example of, uh, <laughs> of remember, a purchase deed for example remember a fun story we had in common <laughs> Because I'm stuck on I'm stuck on Well, we, you know, why, when we were working together many years ago, we d mainly did rentals, right? And we gave nicknames to all our properties. Do you remember? So you know, we didn't call them by the address. We just called mm -hmm. them the nice one. Anyway, we, there was one property. No, <laughs> you remember? It was so funny. Going, well, no, we we called it the shitty one because it was a shitty one, right? Yeah. And I don't know how and exactly, but there I was... I sold a, that about 18 months ago. Yeah, I remember you told me, but there was an email. And anyway, the, it got to the owner that we called it the shitty one. He wasn't too amused, no, wasn't no, he? That right. was actually it wasn't, funny. Yes, yeah. yeah. That was yeah, a funny the, story. Um, I, don't know how, I don't know how we got out of that at the time, but yeah. Well, it was a shitty one, no? That's probably how you got a good listing and a, and a, and a good price <laughs> to sell it for. And you, sell, you sold it first. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I've just... it's it's, it's it, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rather do anything else than what I'm doing now. It's. it's I agree. It, and it's. I'd, you know, I'd recommend it to anybody else to do as well. You know, if you. The fact is, if you if you're living here on this part of the coast, you're either in tourism or real estate. You know, and there isn't anything else. So you know, it's it's, it's good fun. You have to sort out the wheat from the chaff. You get you got you've got to realise who you can work with and who you can't work with. Um, And it, but it's it's I made some you know it's, it's a lot of lot of good people here, and it's and it's good fun and it's good fun and yep. the rewards are good as well if you work hard, yeah. you know the last two or three yeah. years we've all learned a lot of money yeah. you know, but this people do tend to spend a lot of money here as well, and then all of a sudden you've got two or three good years where people have earned a lot of money, and then the recession hits and everyone says they haven't got any money yeah well what have they done with it you but know? it's never boring here on the coast, <laughs> especially never. in this industry. No. Any final words of wisdom for our listeners <laughs> looking to buy a property in, in Marbella? Listen, listen to advice. Um, if you, you know, a lot of a lot of people, with with lawyers, for instance, people will ask lawyers advice when they're buying a property or when they're selling a property. Um, they ask advice, but they don't. They already know what they want to hear. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> just, just listen to people's advice. If you start, same as if you're starting a business. If you want to become a real estate agent, have a mentor. Listen, take advice. Don't try and wing it. 
because you get caught out and it, you look you can this coast is very easy to end up looking very foolish i don't know where i were when i didn't have you as a mentor because you taught me so much and there were so many things you said today which reminded me so much back in the time when i learned this business and i was so eager about the business and it was not about the money uh, i make of course it's it's great also but it was more about the success and i really wanted uh, to learn uh, this business and wanted to be successful and so thank you for that no you've and, and as i say you've you you have been very successful <laughs> but bless you sorry <laughs> <laughs> but but you know if i gave you some advice then it was only advice that i'd been given you know yeah. we've all got mentors you know there's 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 people here that have given me invaluable advice since i've been here and i wouldn't I wouldn't have been able to achieve what I've achieved without their advice. But listen to it. Take it on board. True. As I say, don't try and wing it. Um, um, you know, you and I worked together for, what was it, th two, three, four years? Yeah, or more, yeah. Um, and then I still remember the time when you said, oh, Dom, I want to go and try it on my own. Yeah, and we are still okay. I mean, other people, obviously, because I, at some point I decided I want to be self-employed and do it uh, by myself, and you respected uh, that. Yeah, that, yeah. Um, I mean, and <laughs> uh, Camilla said to me one day, she said, I want to give it a go on my own. And I went, good, it's about time and you'll be fine. And she, But I don't want to embarrass you here, but you did, what she said was, I, I want to be the next Christina Zeckley. I went, Why? <laughs> Who wants to be no, the next Christine that, Zegley? That was basically, I wanted my, my name as a brand. I didn't want you, to call myself And that's myself what you did for the first Holmes. two or three years. You you branded CamillaLifting.com. Yeah, exactly. And you brand, brand, branded it really well. But you didn't go down that route of having lots of offices and a big office and lots of staff. You kept it small. No, you didn't. That's why I thought... And the know. reason I didn't was because I don't want to do high numbers and have low personal profit. I'd rather do low numbers and high personal profit. Um, and plus, with my experience in the in the cleaning business that I had back in the UK and the amount of staff I had back there, when I came to Spain, I went, I don't want to, I don't want a business with any staff. No. I just didn't want it. Yeah. And I've only ever had one yeah. or two people that I work with, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, we've kept it small and it's been, it's worked, it's worked well. But no, you've... Um, You've, you've 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 done well, and um, I'm you know, I'm glad that. But pass on that advice. You'll find I, someone. Pass on I, that advice. You'll that. find someone to I, pass on to. Yeah, I do that. I I do. I try to always give good advice to youngsters starting in this industry because you see so many young people and they're so enthusiastic and I'm going to be a millionaire in, a, in one year and I always try like hold the horses, you know. It's be careful, you know. Just take it slowly and steady and yeah, the, um, don't the, only I, think about I, the money. I had somebody say to me, like, it's going to be a good year next year. I've got some really big clients coming over. They're like, you know, one and a half million, two million purchases, blah, blah, And it's, that's great. They're, they're great if you can get those. Yeah. But, but it's the hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of little deals that make you wealthy, yeah. not the one or two big deals, you know. True. So just keep, keep. Keep your nose to the grindstone. Do it that way. I could continue chatting for another hour, but I think it's time to go and time to say goodbye. And uh, I can only say thank you for being on the show. I really enjoyed it. Um, well, thanks for inviting me. It's been, um, thank you for a good, been chat. good fun. And, and uh, um, I hope I haven't said anything too controversial, but I thought you know what oh, you're going to get when you, yeah, when you invite exactly, me. Exactly. So. Exactly. I knew it. From perspective. All right. Well, thank you so much to all the listeners and we will uh, see you soon. <laughs>